Bloomington, right? Was it in Bloomington? Richfield. Richfield. Yep, in Richfield. Yeah. Yes. And so we all went down to um, uh, the Settlers of Catan game night and adult coloring book night when adult coloring books were bigger. And yep. uh, I think the company gave us a bunch of freebies and coloring books. Yes. And we hung out. And I think it was like a winter's night. And we sat in the back room of a giant game store. Does that sound right? Yes, it was January and it was so cold. It was like uh, right after my birthday. So I remember this really well. Yep. So you were playing Settlers of Catan with the with a lot of people. And then there was like the coloring section and it was such a good time. And I hope you guys do it again one day because it would be so fun. You know, we should do things like that more often because I love I, I truly do love hanging out with people who listen to the show and... Hey, what's up? It's Dave, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Isn't that the worst when people don't show up on time because you're sitting there waiting? Or when somebody says, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to go down the kitchen. I'll be right back. I'm going to come back. We'll start working on that project. And then 35 minutes later, you finally call them, and you're like, Randy, where are you? Um, there are people who are courteous of other people's time, respectful of other people's time, and people who seem to have no concept of the passage of time. But that's not what we're talking about this week. It's um, a continuing series in season six about uh, struggles with drinking. So here's a different twist and a turn. So I got an email last week from somebody who, um, I'll just read it to you because I've got it here right in front of me, and then we'll move on from there. Uh, she says, Dave, <clears throat> this is from Annie. I've been listening to the podcast based on your book since late 2020, and I'm a fan. I also read the book, Christmas Present from my Mom, the same year. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate your admission that your opinion, perspective on certain choices and decisions by other people has changed over time. For example, you should never dye your hair red, LOL. Yeah, I mean, to put a bookmark in that for a second, uh, there's certain chapters in the book that I wrote that I'm really kind of like, God, I'm embarrassed about. Like, uh, don't dye your hair red. If you're a woman, don't dye your hair red. Well, that's the last thing anybody needs is a guy telling a woman not to dye her hair red. Uh, screw you, uh, 2014 me. You can dye your hair any color you want. But I think we've all said things in the past that have maybe changed a little bit, and we have a right to change our minds. And I think as long as you own that and say, yeah, you know, that's kind of stupid of me to say, just like loving parents used to spank their kids, loving parents probably don't spank their kids anymore because we realize it's painful to them and it's painful to us too. So we have a right to change our mind. So thanks for recognizing that, Annie. She says, the main point of my email, I've been avidly listened to your current series of podcasts centered on people's struggles with alcohol and drinking. And I'm so impressed by all the stories. Your thoughtful and non-judgmental approach is lovely. And the vulnerability they have shared with you and us is so welcome. I personally have not been affected by alcohol troubles, but I was wondering if you'd ever consider another series of podcasts on food struggles as I feel there are some parallels, not weight loss per se, but areas such as overeating, stress eating, health problems, using food to deal with trauma, etc. I've been going through some of these things for 25 years, and I would love to hear other people's perspectives. Just a thought. Uh, keep up the great work. That is Annie from Roseville. So let's get right to it. I talked to Annie and uh, the conversation kind of joins in progress. There was a little bit of an audio problem. So the first thing you're going to hear us talking about is how uh, I'm explaining to Annie how people who listen to the show are usually 
somebody I find that's a friend because we seem to have a lot in common. So the, the conversation picks up from there and then we launch right into Annie. And I think you're going to enjoy this. And if you do have the drinking problem or the eating problem, there's some very, very interesting parallels between the two. Let's get started with this conversation with Annie. If you listen to the show, we probably have some things in common. We're probably both kind of smart asses. We're probably both a little bit funny or a lot funny in my case, because let's face it, I'm super funny. Or, <laughs> you are a riot. Or, I agree. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Or maybe, maybe a little judgy or maybe a little cynical or kind of a blend of all those different things. And Absolutely. And, and, and your course, rural background, too. I grew up in rural Wisconsin. You grew up in nowhere, Colorado. Nowhere, Colorado. Totally yeah. identify. Yep. Well, I am so glad that you were on the podcast, and I'm so glad that you are into it. And um, uh, we're, we're going to talk about some serious things. But at the same time, uh, Annie's going to tell you her story in her way. So Annie had written this email, and uh, and she said, "Hey, there's there seems to be a lot in common with you know struggles with food as there are struggles with alcohol." So I was telling Fallon this morning on the radio uh, before we recorded this, I said um, we are going to talk to somebody about alcohol or about you know the food struggles and binge eating and all these different things, and I said. I don't really have a, any kind of a food problem. I said I eat junk and I overeat sometimes, but I've never felt like I eat way too much or eat way too little. And But I said it's going to be fascinating to talk to Annie because Annie has been down this road before. So if, how would you describe, if you could describe your, your issue with food? Is it a love-hate relationship, a struggle, binging? What would you, how would you describe it? And let's get started there. Okay, great. I don't think it's ever been binging. I've I've never I've never had an issue with anything like bulimia or anorexia. I think it's more of what you said, like struggles, a love hate relationship. Um, some of it is just the standards that people are held to, like the the, the beauty standards, like what it you know what it what is attractive, like is it you know it tends to gravitate towards people who are skinny or people who are thin. And um, let's be honest, it's way worse for people who identify as a woman or as female than it is for, for guys. Um, although I do think they face their own, you know, um, struggles with, with eating. It's just not as, you know, visible or, or talked about. So yeah, I guess it is a lot of love, hate. It's, it's a struggle. Um, I kind of wanted to start with two pivotal moments that I think have really um, defined my struggles with food over the last quarter century. Okay. Um, the first, um, the first one, uh, summer uh, before college, 18 years old, living with my grandparents, working at a resort. Uh, we were sitting around one night having like a, you know, later in the evening snack before bedtime, uh, tortilla chips and salsa con queso, one of my faves. Delicious. Um, yes. Uh, my, so I was, you know, going to get a second helping of the, the salsa con queso. And my, my late grandmother says to me, do you really think you need any more of that? Ouch. And I okay. think, I think that was kind of the moment that started me on this whole path because for me, it was like, um, kind of the implication being, that she thought I was, well, let's say fat to just use a very general term. Um, so one that hurt just because nobody wants to be told they're fat, even if they joke about it. I, right. I think that still stems from, you know, just trying to make other people comfortable, even though it 
really bothers you. And then two, like having your own family members say that to you just was really awful. Like it was, it was really hard. And so because this is somebody who loves you and I'm going to guess yeah, that and I love you, her and you loved, loved her, her and you mm-hmm. felt close to her and you trusted her and you yes. were comfortable and here you are just chilling and yep. you're like just relaxing and doing whatever. And you go in for another helping, which everybody, almost everybody does big deal. And in that moment, what she said was so powerful in a negative way that not only did it affect you then, but I'm going to guess that probably kind of affects you even all these years down the road. It it does. I mean, I still flash back to it sometimes when I'm going through a particularly rough period where I'm really having a hard time or struggling. And I, I kind of flash back to that and I just I try to dismiss it really quickly, but it's never really completely gone from my mind. How did that and, make you feel when she said that? And I, I just picture like happy 18 year old Annie chilling with the grandparents and you're loving the chips and the salsa uh, and, 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 and you get up to get more cause you love it. And how did yep. that, did you stop? How did that make you feel at that moment? Well, obviously it made me feel really terrible. Um, I did stop and I think I just kind of um, said goodnight and went downstairs mm. to my room. Um, and I just did a lot of thinking. I, don't recall exactly. I probably cried. Okay. I mean, you know, sure. teenagers are sensitive. Girls are worse. I was a typical 18 year old in that sense. Um, but it started me down a path of wanting to um, kind of change what I ate. And, um, and for me, it wasn't even really, it didn't even start as like, I want to lose weight. I mean, I, I did at the back of my mind, probably unconsciously, I was thinking that because I have never, I have never been thin. I have never been skinny. It's just not my body type. I, you know, I graduated, I was, you know, probably a little heavier than most of the girls in my, or boys in my class. I had terrible hair, you know, so, but at that time it was more like, I want to, it was almost like, I want to prove grammar wrong that I can eat better. So, and the, the outcome of that was that my choice, I actually did end up losing a lot of weight. Um, there's that common phrase, the freshman 15, mm-hmm. when you go to college, um, I not only did not gain 15, I actually ended up losing probably about 25, 30 pounds in your freshman year. That's pretty uh, incredible. college. My, well, yeah. it started, yeah, it was about 15, my freshman year. And then I think my total college, I, um, was there three and a half years. I graduated early, probably, yeah, somewhere between 25, 30, 35 pounds. Um, I basically subsisted on the salad and pasta bars at the dorm. And when I moved out to an apartment with some friends, um, really just didn't eat a whole lot. Like it, it, that comment really did change how and how much I ate, what I ate. Um, I also didn't drive, so I was healthy. I walked or biked everywhere or took a bus. Okay. So, so, the the impetus was terrible and it hurt, but it, it did end up having a positive result for several years. That lasted until probably 2003, uh, which brings me to kind of the sort of the next um, milestone that's, you know, has kind of uh, been um, – sort of a marker for where I'm at with, you know, how I went down certain paths with my struggles with food, with weight loss, okay. you know, self-image, all of those things. So I was in a relationship with someone. It was pretty casual. Um, I ended up getting pregnant. Um, I found out uh, right after I turned 25, happy birthday to me, mm-hmm. told the dad, 
he didn't want to be involved in our lives. Um, told my family they were pretty upset. Uh, I finally, so I thought about it for a while. We went over all the alternatives and I ultimately thought it was best for my baby to uh, give them up for adoption, which I ended up doing um, when he was born in August of 2004. I, my struggle with food during the pregnancy was just like next level. I ate really poorly. I didn't take vitamins. I didn't eat fruits and vegetables. I wasn't active. Um, we're talking, I was eating a whole box of hamburger helper, helper beef stroganoff in one sitting because I craved sodium so badly. Um, that was like probably the second lowest point in my life with the, in, with my food struggles. Um, I think the absolute bottom was after I had him. I'm pretty sure I had postpartum depression, but it was never diagnosed. I was grieving because I had given up a baby for adoption. Mm-hmm. I just, I ate whatever. I didn't count calories. I didn't, you know, I didn't pay attention to any of the the labels. I ate whatever. I wasn't active enough. Like I didn't work out. I didn't bike or walk regularly. I just, I really did fall down that, fall down sort of a dark, slippery path and, um, kept going for several years. I think around 2007, 2008, I was at a medical appointment. I don't recall the reason, but they weighed me and I hit the scale at 220 pounds. That was the heaviest I had ever been in my entire life. And rather than motivating me, like my grandma's comment to change my eating habits, that pretty much made it worse. So you just, you knew you were getting heavier. We all kind of know. Oh, you it was were so heavier. obvious. But you can see you, it in photos, absolutely. But when you stepped on that scale, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've been there too. It's like I go to the doctor. I haven't weighed myself in like eight months because I don't want to know. Yeah, and, you're terrified. And then you get on the scale. You take your shoes off. You put your phone on the table. You take your you know you take I don't know you take the comb out of your pocket. Take the credit card out of your pocket. Everything that you can possibly remove. You uh, you. And then you get on the scale and you're like, oh, shit. So, but for most of us, I mean, for me, because I have not struggled in the way that you have struggled and been through things, um, I'll be like, oh, God, I'm five pounds heavier than I thought. So you were quite a bit heavier, but it was just an acknowledgement of what you kind of saw happening. Absolutely. And I, but even then, it's like, so I know that you that there are some people that listen to your show that are huge Friends fans, and there there was this episode where Rachel said, you know, um, there's rock bottom, fifty feet of crap, and then there's me. That <laughs> I had not gotten to below the crap point yet. Okay. I was still at rock bottom, and I'd not gotten to that me uh, point that she references. So in that, that was episode. was that your rock bottom at that point? Annie? So it was rock bottom, but okay. it was not below the crap. Okay. I think I think below the crap probably happened when um, I met the person who is now my ex-husband. We're on very good terms, though. Um, it, it was a very amicable part, parting of ways. Uh, anyway, so I met him. You know, we became involved. We got married. Um you know, and I'd look at the wedding photos and I was like, who is this person? I don't even recognize her. I was probably at my heaviest at that point. Okay. Um, I did 
and I don't even remember how I did this. I I did manage to get down to like under 200 pounds, like uh, probably about 2008, 2009. Um, and I think my crap moment was I saw these jeans in a catalog and I was like, these are so cute, but they didn't carry them in bigger sizes because, you know, back then stores didn't tend to do that. They didn't. They Online did catalogs yeah. didn't do that. Okay. It was like, they thought everybody was between like zero and 10 or 12, you know, for, for people that identify as, as female. So I saw these pants and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to buy them. And then I'm going to lose enough weight so I can get into them. And did you? I did. I dropped 20 pounds and then the pants fit. And then I dropped another almost 20 pounds. So I actually used Weight Watchers that first time. I went from 195 to 157, which was... Wow, which is, yeah. which is I, I don't know what the average woman's weight is, but I'm going to say 157 is not that far from the average. No, for someone who is my height, which is between 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, okay. and my age, you should yeah. be between like 135, 155 pounds. So okay. I was very close to being like the, the higher end of average, but that was probably the lowest I had been since college. Okay, well, let's go back if we can. I want to go back to... All these times when, you know, there was grandma and then college and then putting on the weight and, and, and I want to know what was food to you. And I don't I don't want to sound like I'm any kind of an expert on anything um, uh, except plane crashes and aviation and things like that. <laughs> we're la- we were laughing right. about that earlier. You and I were joking <laughs> about that. Um, yep. But 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 what was food to you? Was it comfort? A lot. I had a trainer one time. He's like, my my food to me is only fuel. You know, I eat just a, I I have some sweet potatoes and I have some broccoli and I have a little bit of chicken. And I'm like, what the fuck? Seriously, that's what you eat? And and people, some people, food is fuel. To me, food is a reward. Food is comfort. Food is nourishment. Mm-hmm. But it's not just fuel. What was food to you back in was, those days? It was definitely a comfort, like so many people. Um, it was um. I was a comfort eater. I was a stress eater. Again, like many, many people. Um, I, my, one of my food weaknesses has always been salt. I've never been big on sugar or desserts, but I love salt. Anything like. Potato chips, pretzels, uh, anything like that. I just, I loved it. I craved it. It was just, I couldn't get enough of it. So, um, yeah, I, I, it was comfort. It was stress. It was, it was, um, it was an escape. It, you know, did you ever hide what you were eating? And the reason I ask that is because number one, I'm curious, but number two, it's a parallel to the stories we've told about drinking alcohol, where I've talked to several people on the podcast. And I think even last week, uh, somebody who hides that they're drinking alcohol, did you ever hide like the can of Pringles under the bed, or maybe you took a, 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 a bag of chili cheese Fritos into the bathroom. Did you ever have to hide it or did you not worry about that? No, the interesting part with Weight Watchers is that, um, you, you, you know, you count it, you had, it's a points-based system, right? So you made sure that you ate foods that were within that and you, based on how much weight you wanted to lose and your other health factors, um, you, you maintained a specific number of points per day, but then like one day a week, you have what was called a, um, well, for lack of a better term, a cheat day, like you could eat whatever. Yep. Um, and I pretty much, 
just went to the extreme. It was like the worst crap ever, you know, like soda, chips, fried chicken, um, alcohol sometimes, um, you know, I, and with drinking, like I need to eat a lot or I get sick. So, um, it, it, it was worse. Like if I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have two drinks. Like then I would eat even more. Like it would, it would, it just compounded the issue. So, although I, I still, again, I still managed to lose almost 40 pounds on Weight Watchers. That, that was the first time I tried it even, even, you know, with that so-called cheat day. The thing with the program is it only works if you stick with it. I, I know that you and I believe Drake have used Livia and you, I'm sure you both can attest it only works when you stick pretty much a hundred percent to works, the plan. It works like a charm if you stick with it, but it also, it doesn't work at all. If you're like, well, I had my small breakfast and my small lunch, but now I'm going to go buy canes and I'm going to get a big old like, you know, box of like, you know, chicken and Texas toast. It doesn't work. Yes. I mean, and, and it's no mystery why you can't go in the next week and say, I can't figure out why it didn't work. I didn't follow. I followed the plan. Why I gained five pounds. Right. Because right. because then they know you're lying. If you low, if you go in and say, I followed the plan and I lost and I gained five pounds. Yes. Be you like, are not being truthful. You're not. Right. So you got the 20 piece McNuggets and Susan only got five. That's exactly what <laughs> you did. If she's lucky. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's lucky, right, right? Exactly. So it was yeah, so again, it only works if you stick with it or you follow it almost a hundred percent. Like if you have a margarita, you know, it's like, you know, I've said that because it's Cinco de Mayo today. Sure, right. Um, or you have some, you know, those tacos, you know, who you know, pretty much everybody loves tacos. Can I ask like, you about I don't want to interrupt you, but 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 I, I wanna ask you because you said you were married and yes. how are your how are your and you, then there was the boyfriend that, that was no longer in your life. How were they and I the reason I ask is because of support and and does there a parallel with drinking? Because a lot of people that I've talked to that have a drinking problem, they have a confused but supportive partner. Did okay. your partners ever say, hey, Annie, you know what? I mean, if you want to work out or if you want to go down and buy a bunch of salad and kale and beets, I'm there with you. How are your partners as far as supporting and were they helpful or not? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, first of all, beets are disgusting. I would never eat those. And <laughs> kale should only be allowed in a smoothie because it is also wretched food. Okay, okay. good, good. So, yeah, so I'll go back to the, the, the guy who was the biological father of my son. So... We had, um, I hadn't started like gaining all that weight and having that struggle again with food while we were together. I didn't even find out until we were actually no longer, um, involved with one another. Um, that had stopped, um, probably like a month or so before I found out. Um, so we were together for like a couple of months. Um, I found out and that ended like December, 2003, January, 2004 was when I found out I was pregnant. So it was actually a non-issue because it hadn't really started. Now with my former husband, on the other hand, um, he, he tried, but the problem was that the way he said it did not sit very well with me because I was not good at taking criticism. What, even if it was constructive, like that I think has also been a problem with me with food struggles too, is that I was very bad at taking advice or constructive criticism. I always have been, I worked really hard on it for a long time, but 
the way it came across from him, it just felt like judgment and not support. It was like, you know, I don't think you should eat that kind of food anymore. You should work out Mm -hmm. more, you know, like, and in all fairness to him, he was from a different country. He was older, you know, kind of a little bit of a generational gap. He came from somewhere where women did go to college, had careers, but they still had time to come home and, you know, cook a fabulous meal. And still they never managed to gain an ounce. And they were always really fashionable for the most part. Like, geez. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then there's me like this very independent U S woman who's not accustomed to anything like that. And also, you know, we live in a country where access to quote unquote easy and then highly processed food is very you know it's it's accessible everywhere it's really easy to get it it's cheaper well and and, and wouldn't you guess that's why a lot of people that are lower income they sometimes tend to have weight problems because they 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 can't afford the kale and the beets and they can't afford the turnips and the carrots and the fresh salad in a bag yes And, and so they go for the bugles and the big macs Yes, because it is cheaper and it's also a question of what they have access to because a lot of people live in areas where they don't have access to a grocery store. There's no, they call them food deserts. It's essentially you can't get healthy produce or, you know, healthier meats and and dairy and all those things. And so you have to go to like the corner store and buy, you know, high caloric, low nutrition food. And yet, and another problem that creates is that people who come here from other countries by and large are healthy weights um they don't struggle with food like they pretty much i mean why is basically that? Do you have any idea why yes um you're familiar with the concept farm to table right where the whole co- the whole premise is that everything that comes to your table came straight from the farm essentially all I've your produce your I, meat yeah. your desserts everything is made with ingredients that are not overly processed it's okay. just natural food right okay. for most immigrants they came from countries where they ate natural food then they come here and there's all this processed crap and because a lot of them are also unfortunately happen to be lower income they and it's accessible they have to work crazy hours to support families they end up buying this, you know, unhealthy food and then they gain weight. And then because a lot of them also tend to be people of color who are more susceptible to things like diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, obesity, it sort of just, it just, it, it exacerbates the problem among, among those communities. So um, that I, that's my answer to it. I could go on and on, but that's no, not what I, we're really here to talk about. No, but you're, you're right. But, but can I stop you there and put a little uh, bookmark in this spot? Because yes. I think, I don't know if you want to reveal what you do for a living, but you do have some knowledge about that because of your job. Am I wrong I mean, about that? Indirectly. So, um, just for the interest of the people who listen to your podcast, I am the leave management coordinator for a state agency. I manage leaves of absence for the employees at the Department of Health. Okay. So you um, work for the Department of Health. So you know some things that maybe you and I and average Jill and Joe don't know. Absolutely. And I, in previous work history, too, um, I 
I've volunteered. I used to work at a nonprofit dental clinic um, that primarily the patient population is um, lower income and or people of color. So I've had a lot of exposure. I've I've had friends who come from other countries. My former husband, like I mentioned, he's he was an immigrant, an immigrant like I've um, I one of my best friends is originally from South America. So like I've had some exposure to this and then I just sort of notice these things too, like these trends and I read about them and it, you know, it's, it's really alarming to, to see these things happening to communities that already have enough obstacles to deal with. And then you throw on the whole like food struggles. And they probably don't see it coming. They move here, they're learning English, they're getting a job, they're trying to find a place to live. Meanwhile, innocently eating Chicken McNuggets and and, Mm -hmm. and Auntie Anne's pretzels and whatever's available. And then they're putting on weight and then they're like, wow. One thing I've learned is that certain foods that I didn't even realize made me struggle, made me feel unhealthy, made me gain weight, etc. Once I cut them out, it was astounding how much better I felt. Like I've never been a drinker except, you know, college years because you know that's when you're supposed to sure yeah you know um once i i've had three drinks in the last four months that's it like just that's it it's interesting you say that you feel better after that was the i'm trying to look for common ground here with the alcohol things and i think a lot of people will listen to this because i'm going to tell people listen even if you don't have a drinking struggle because here's somebody who's going to talk about food and their struggle be probably some new people who listen going aha I can, I can identify. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, and I, yeah, and, so and, yep. And the, this, the, the parallel of I feel better after I stopped drinking, I can't believe how much I feel better after I stopped eating all this garbage. Is is it, there's there's the, the discussion about, well, you can cut alcohol out of your life completely. Talk to me just for 30 seconds about, well, what do you do? Because you can't cut food out. You know, and that's a whole discussion on its own, but I can stop drinking and I can live the next, you know, X amount of years and I can never drink again, but it doesn't work that way with food. So no, that's, a, that's one of the eat. factors. Yeah. Yes. I think the biggest things are, again, sort of the 90, 10, 95, five balance. Also, if you have a day where you just eat garbage you wake up the next morning and you reset. You can always just, it is really another day and you can start again. You need to be like, allow yourself some grace. Remember you are human. You are going to have days that are awful, but then you're also going to have more good days where you feel better because you didn't have that alcohol. You didn't drink six cans of Dr. Pepper. You, um, skipped the creamer in your coffee if that was an issue for you you know it's just about be patient with it it's a process it does not happen overnight and you it it so apparently the point of it being three weeks is it takes 21 days to form a habit whether it's a healthy one or an unhealthy one a positive one negative one good bad whatever so but it's just the start it's not you know, you begin this, you end this. That's, that's not what it's about. It's encouraging you to make better choices, to drink more water, to cut out certain things, um, either reduce them or completely eliminate them. I have, um, the dairy for me was amazing. Uh, I, the inflammation and bloating went 
was so greatly reduced when I stopped eating and it was amazing. I, I wear a, a Fitbit watch and I was actually able to tighten my watch because it was like falling off my wrist wow. because it was no longer so, um, you know, full of inflammation from all that dairy. It's had some other, you know, positive benefits. Um, I sleep better too. Like I'm still tired, but not exhausted. You know how there's a difference oh, between tired oh, and exhausted? I, you want to drop dead. You feel like you want to melt into your yes. bed when you're exhausted. Yes. I can't even stand up when I'm exhausted. Let's go back to, and we're going to round wrap up here in a second with kind of a familiarity of what happened at the very beginning of your story with your grandma. And when she said, do you really think you need more of those chips? What are things that people who are struggling do not want to hear besides you don't do you really think you need another dish of ice cream or you'd be able to get a better boyfriend slash girlfriend slash partner if you lost some weight. what are some things that you've maybe heard that you want to tell other people don't say this around people who are struggling i i think the best thing to say is like i'm you know be empathetic be kind i'm sorry you're going through that um is there anything that you want to talk to me about? Is there anything maybe that, that might help you? Um, would it be okay if I shared some things that, that have happened to me and things that have helped me along the way? Just and, and also don't assume that somebody has a struggle with food or a weight problem. Thin does not equal healthy. Skinny does not equal healthy. I was thinking about how, you know, Jenny promotes the squeeze juice cleanses Jenny's freaking gorgeous. Like, I wish I looked like that, you know, mm -hmm. not in an envious or jealous way, but just sort of like, wow, I wish I was that beautiful on occasion, you know, that crosses my mind occasionally. And so it occurred to me that if somebody who, you know, mostly eats well, does these cleanses and is active, has the same sorts of food struggles, which she's even talked about on your show, I can only imagine that many, many people have these struggles no matter how thin or beautiful or successful they are. So I think we need to reframe how we see all of those issues as well. I have noticed in going to like Wisconsin Dells or the lake or whatever that in the last 10 years or so, people give less of a fuck about how they look to other people. They care about how they look and they feel and you know their mental state and that type of thing, but they give less of a fuck about how they feel to other people. And by that, I mean, you used to go to the beach and see a big old fat guy in a pair of swim trunks that were too small. And you'd mm -hmm. kind of like, that was very typical, but you didn't see a lot of bigger women in, in like, you know, but, but now I go to, to Wisconsin Dells. Suits. Right, yep. right. But now you go to Wisconsin Dells or you go to, you know, the great wolf lodge or whatever. And you see a mom who's big and she don't give a fuck what you think because, mm -hmm. and I really like that because that is freeing, not only to her, but to me too, because I don't want to care what, and I used to be too skinny when I was like in my teens and early twenties, I was skinny. And I remember I had two girls over to my apartment one time to go swimming. Cause I had a pool at my apartment. It was so fancy. And, and, and I was embarrassed because <laughs> they went in and they changed. And then I changed. And I think I wore a t-shirt to the pool. Cause I didn't want them to see how skinny you could see my ribs. And so, oh my gosh, yeah, it ain't that way anymore. Let me tell you. But, um, uh, but now I think it's better that people just don't mind as much because it's like you accept me, I accept you. I'm not affecting you if I'm overweight. I'm not affecting you if I'm too skinny or too pale or too freckled or too dark or whatever. So go do your own thing. Would you agree with that? And I and and we'll wrap up with that. 
Yes, I do. I, I do agree with that. And I think what you're saying about like the mom who maybe is a little bit bigger, but she she's okay with herself. She's comfortable in her body. And she, I think that's important too, because she's letting her her child or children know that, you know, you can be accepted for who you are more than what you look like or what your weight is or whatever the case might be. Um, I'm not saying, I'm absolutely not going to say that we should encourage people to be obese. Like, obviously that's, that's not the point at all, but yes, I noticed too that a lot of my food struggles have gotten less um, for, for two reasons. One, um, doing the food challenge, the clean eating challenge with, when you reset your gut, it's so connected to your mental health. And when my mental health started getting better, I stopped struggling as much because I wasn't as so like insecure or anxious about, you know, how I looked and, you know, what foods I was putting into my body. And also I think I did learn how to accept myself more. And I, I actually bought the first two piece in my life last year that, you know, exposes my midsection, like, two, three years ago, I wouldn't have done that. But last year I was finally like, I don't care. You know what? It doesn't affect anybody. Uh, It doesn't mean I am gross. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily unhealthy at my weight. Like it doesn't mean any of those things. So I think when we, we just need to change the conversation about food. And I think we're all going to be much more accepting of ourselves. Annie, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for opening up about your struggles. And uh, thanks for being so charming and so uh, interesting to talk to. If you want to be on the podcast or you have any thoughts on the podcast, send me an email to DaveRyan at KDWB.com. We're probably going to get back to the alcohol theme. Or maybe you want to get back to, maybe you want to talk more about the eating struggles. Maybe you're like, oh my God, that sounds a lot like me. I want to tell you my high points, low points, and uh, you know, rock bottom, whatever. I would love to hear from you because I think the idea is not to just hear interesting stories because we're not here to be titillated by people's struggles. Uh, we are here to go, oh yeah, huh, I guess I'm not alone on that one. And I think that is one of the great, it's like support groups. Maybe that's what we are. We're like a big support group for people who just go, wow, I guess there are other people like me. So maybe that feels kind of good. If you want to be on the podcast again, send that email to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Or maybe you want to say, Dave, you are so full of shit. I can't believe you even do a podcast. I will will look at that email too. Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.